Kids, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Tim, you got a couple of backup singers. Tim Lacombe joins us now. He doesn't sound like an assistant basketball coach right now. He sounds really good. You guys are like the doo-wop boys. Oh, yeah. I was totally lip-syncing in here, but I don't want my voice to wreck this. But Yak, Yak will tell you, yeah, DJ's in here lip-syncing. And he also knows that I shouldn't make any noise when I sing. It's much better if I just <laughs> just lip-sync it. All right, Tim. Been about a week, right? Hasn't been that long a time since we visited. <laughs> hey, you're doing games every day. It's never that long a time before you're back in studio, is it? Getting a whole oh new appreciation gosh, for the NBA grind. <laughs> Holy cow. It is unbelievable. Like, I feel like I'm on, um, like, nights I have off are like manna from heaven. And I love watching it. I love being in there. But it's just, it is so much work, man. It's great, though. Yeah. And it's great. It's great that uh, it's a lot of work around a, a sizzling hot team. Oh, yeah. You're doing the right year. <laughs> you are absolutely doing the right year. You sat through some, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, the PK and I have been doing this for 20 years. And so, uh, you know, we've talked about teams that were good, teams that were mediocre, and teams that were bad. <laughs> you can go look it up. It's no secret. And when I did the five years of TV pre-half and post, they were mostly pretty good then. It was it was basically the heart of the D. Will Carlos Boozer, you know. So they were they were fifty win teams and and they were winning a playoff series most years. Um, That's cool. But uh, <laughs> talking to Thurl, who then had to go through the rebuild, I'm like Thurl, man. I would text him like, "This looks like hard work tonight, Thurl," and he's like, "You're so lucky." <laughs> Because what do you say? Yeah. Everybody knows you're rebuilding, right? And it's all about the draft, but you got to do 20 games before you get to the draft and, you know, get the payoff. So as you, yeah, wa- you got to get down to the, the right. screen level. You got to talk about screens every <laughs> night. So the Jazz are playing the Lakers, and I'm curious uh, does this stand out to you as a big game among the many because it is the Lakers and it's LeBron, or. Because they're missing a couple of really important players after LeBron, does that take the edge off this one for you? No, I still think it's the Lakers and and it's LeBron. And you know, if he were to be out, I'd probably feel different. You know, if it were just AD for per se, but there's something about LeBron, and you're you know what he's capable of doing, pretty close to by himself. Um, he's getting up there in age, but he's still playing at such a great level and. Um, is, in my mind, one of the greats of all time. So uh, it, it's one that definitely got my attention. I, I, you know, a little more excited prepping for the Lakers than, than others. Yeah, I can understand that. To me, at this point, when you have the best record in the league, though, it's nearly not about the opposition. You've earned this opportunity to say you have the best record in the league. So I don't really care who's coming in, who's not coming in with their team and all. It's about the Jazz, and if Jazz, if they they do what they do, they're not going to win them all, obviously, but they should have an opportunity to win all these games. That's my mindset. Well, that doesn't surprise me because you're, you know, I mean, you're, I imagine that's how you treat the neighbors. You know, if you're going to walk by my house, you're going to stand at attention. Um, Get a chuckle out of you. A little Maybe. bit, yeah, I heard I it. Did. I did, yeah. I did, I did. Okay, perfect. Uh, no, the uh, 
The one thing I will say, you know, I checked it tonight. The Jazz are eight and a half point favorites tonight. And, um, you know, like you said, there's there's some missing pieces there for the Lakers. But still, uh, that that just kind of, that that's a, you know, I could see four and a half, five with LeBron. But eight and a half, that just shows the really how well this team's playing, what they're thought of out there, uh, what the numbers say, most importantly, because that's what Vegas is all about is the numbers. They don't care about feelings. It's all numbers, and um, and the Jazz have just kind of continued to, to chug along. I mean, this last game against Charlotte was so crazy because I, in the pregame, after watching the film, after looking at all the matchup numbers and everything else, I honestly felt a blowout. And, you know, for about three quarters, I was a little bit uncomfortable because I went and had put myself out there, which I don't know if I'll do that again, but... <laughs> Uh, I tweeted out, hey, I'm smelling a blowout. But lo and behold, you know, it was a blowout, and it was all done in about four and a half, five minutes. Um, And that's what's scary about this team, too, is the sportability. And the reason they can do that is they're elite defensively. Uh, The key to this whole run has been the number of times they've gone on a 10-0 run, which is hard to do. Uh, And they do it all the time. And the key to that is the other team has zero, you know. The Jazz find a way to get that separation in a game. So, are the spurts and, as you put it, the spurtability? Uh, do we have to rethink the way we think of that? Though, is uh, because of the three point shot, the way you used to look at a ten zero run or a ten point lead, shouldn't we be thinking about that now? It's a fifteen or I don't know if I can go twenty. I don't know. How do you look at it? Because it just seems like these leads they don't mean what they used to mean. Well, I can totally see that, but I, but with the Jazz, I think they kind of do. Um, and I, to your point, I mean, at ten, the Jazz were down, you know, as many as ten the other night. Seems like to Charlotte, nine or ten anyway. It was eleven at eighty-one seventy. Okay, and that's eleven. When, that's when they went on their forty-one to eleven run, and you started feeling okay. better about your Twitter feed. Yeah. So um, with the Jazz, I feel because they play so good. So so good defensively, um, and, and they're really kind of locked in. The tenal run is meaningful for them because it's hard for a team to really kind of put a run to back on them once they hit you with one. But you're right. I mean, I think ten points anymore. That's three trips down the floor, and you're in a one point game. So it's definitely different, and uh, it's uh, yeah. You probably. You're probably right, majority of the league, but I think the Jazz at 10 run still means something because of the way they guard. So the one thing that concerns me tonight is the law of averages, man. And these guys were unbelievably hot the other night. So I'm concerned about there's a little drop-off because there's no way you can shoot like that over and over again. How much concern do you have? Well, we're only talking about what they shoot 50% from three, 50 what was it, 50, David, you're the number guy. Uh, it was 28 to 55, so it was probably 51 yeah, or 52. 55. I'd have to look it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're 10% higher than, 10, 12% higher than, than their normal average. But uh, what's been pretty constant with this team is, uh, you know, they're going to get about 43s up a night. And what has also been a constant is they're going to shoot nearly 40%. So, yeah, I, I don't see them – you know, hitting 50 all that often. But in the NBA, at that quantity of shots, you know, to, be, to make close to 40% of them, I know they've hovered right around 40% uh, 
for the majority. We talk a lot on the pre and post about taking 43s and making 40% of them is quite a feat, that 40-40 club. And the Jazz are the only ones that have kind of touched that this year. But um, I, I don't. it doesn't make me nervous that uh, you know the threes will just disappear and the law of averages will come back because the law of averages in the Jazz case are still pretty good. So while I do look at how much they make and worry about the law of averages, I think the thing that's not getting nearly the attention is how many do you take? You can't make it if you don't shoot it. And 55 threes is a lot to take, but Charlotte was offering him up because they were trying to clog up the lane and bring in a third defender, so there were three-pointers out there. But the Clippers held him to 34 attempts. Uh, how many makes are you going to have if you're only going to take 34 yeah. in a game? And I say only 34. They didn't average that two years ago. But every year, Quinn's got him taking more. You know, the numbers don't lie. Every year he's been here, their three-point attempts have gone up. But clearly for the best teams in the league, aren't they going to limit how many they attempt? Whether they go in or not, they're going to spend 48 minutes trying to limit how many the Jazz attempt. Yeah, and there's, you know, teams have done that all year. Um, and, and really you can kind of look at the box score at the end of the game and you can you could formulate, if you watched enough, you can formulate what the defense did that night. You know, if Rudy's attempts are way up off of his average, you know they're hugging shooters. Um, I made the comment after the Clipper game, I really do believe the Clippers are probably um, one of a few because I know there's probably some, you know, like for instance, Minnesota, what the way Minnesota came in here and guarded, um, they were able to put a lot of pressure, be really physical, switch everything. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, the Clippers did an unbelievable job. Really, if you watch the Clipper game, and you, there's a way you can actually do this you go to YouTube and watch those highlights. It's an awesome way. It shows every bucket for both teams. So you can get a, a pretty fast synopsis of, of the game. But you can also see how the team's guarded. And it's such a stark contrast between the Clipper game where space looked like trying to figure out a way to, you know, like in real estate, trying to find a way, a house up on the east bench. Uh, It's crowded. There's no no space. And and everything's really, really expensive. That's how the Clipper game was. Um, Conversely, the Charlotte game, man, there were driving lines. There were space all over the place. and it it really was an, an instance in Charlotte where they got beat to a certain point, and then they committed three or four guys to the ball. And so the Jazz had no other option than to kick that thing out and shoot horse shots. And that's really what they did most of the night. Once they were able to kind of manage the turnovers, know that there was guys coming to dig, it was a classic case of overhelping. Um, whereas the Clippers, they were so disciplined – uh, they really only had to commit one, maybe one, a half a guy to the ball. So you're just not playing on the number of advantages you played. And, and that's the Clippers team, maybe one or two others, are capable of doing something very, very similar for a long period of time. But what you'll see most nights is teams are hell-bent on taking away the three. They get absolutely killed inside. And so they start kind of, you know, as, as Locke Polk, says pulls the pull the ripcord on the plan and then they're all hell breaks loose. Did the Clipper game give you any long term concern should they meet up in the postseason? Not at all. I mean mainly because I've actually felt like coming into the year that if the Clippers could get their their stuff right, 
internally um, that they really were one of the best constructed rosters. And then you add, you know, the, the championship kind of element of Kawhi. Um, you know, I'm not a huge, I know Paul George is really talented. I'm just not a huge Paul George guy from a competitive standpoint. I don't know what it is, but I just don't know uh, if he's done enough yet to earn that from me. Uh, I, I know he's a special talent, but I just don't know it. when the money's on the table, what are you going to get? Um, but I still think the Clippers, in my mind, are a team that, you know, hey, they're going to be out there. They're they're a big time team. They're constructed great, and a series with them will be games just like that. Um, and I don't think either team will run away and hide. Um, I think that you know, in this instance, the, the Clippers got the better of the, better of the Jazz, but they did it by a couple of points at their place. And so a series, you know, that's going to be a culmination of a, of a lot of things. And that's why you really want to try to stay in this first place spot and avoid having to play, you know, maybe the Lakers and the Clippers, let those two guys duel it out. Uh, if, you know, they end up being two and three, and, and then one of them comes to face you after going through that. You know, in the in the Jazz-Clipper game, I think there were multiple... You, you basically saw Paul George's whole career on display. Multiple things he did right, and then multiple things that were horrific. And... The things he did right, you know, the score and the rebound and the big plays. But then in the final minute of the game, the turnover, you know, that was bad. It does happen, but it was bad. But to compound it by five, well, before we get to that, by fouling Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt, 70 feet from the hoop, stopping the clock, that's horrific. And you should know that's horrific playing AAU or high school ball. You don't foul a guy 70 feet from the hoop in that situation, and yet he did. And then the fouling on the three, you're just compounding. You're doubling down. You don't do that either. Again, stop the yeah. clock and give a good shooter three free throws. That's a crazy yep. thing to do. And I think those three things are why the red flag goes up. What are you going to get from Paul George in the biggest moments? So this is – we actually used a – the best we could. We'd go watch kids play, and we'd actually put a, a score on there, for lack of a better word, I mean – time and score understanding mm-hmm. coach Rose always said, you know, I want guys to understand the score and play uh, based on, you know, they, they, they understand the score. They understand what it takes to win. And, and so we would actually go in there and kind of watch. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's a kind of a thing that is developed and guys innately have um, initially, or it's kind of developed. And, but even at that point, um, you know, where is everybody's mindset? Is it on individual accolades? Is it on what I'm doing after the game? Or is it in that moment? And that's the thing, like you said, with Paul George, I, he, there's no doubt the guy's so extremely talented. But I just, uh, I just wonder when it maybe it all kind of puts, gets put together for him in basketball and winning becomes the most important thing. Um, because from outside looking in, um, you know, I look at this Jazz team, and from last year to this year, the, the growth mentally and the maturity that's come from uh, going through what they went through last year, um, you know, having heartbreaking game seven, that really did make these guys go back to the lab and say, how can we improve? Um, there's a difference in that and then just one where, hey, I'm getting paid X amount of dollars, I'm going to go out and hoop. Um, and that's the transformation that, 
that I think you're talking about there, or that's the realization for Paul George that I think we're talking about. It's, it's probably every coach that's ever coached him, there's, you know, and I know Cleve, maybe you can ask Cleve about it, but a guy who's just can do so much, but at the same time, you know, how important is it all to him? Tim, as always, we appreciate it. Hope we didn't uh, use all your material because you got an hour on the pregame show tonight before the Jazz and the Lakers. No, I just try to give you my B-roll stuff. Um, <laughs> I save the, the good stuff for the golden folder. <laughs> okay. All right, well, we'll listen to hear what's in the golden folder tonight at 7. But I do sit in your spot over there. I, I, I'm second chair, but I sit on your side, <laughs> okay. Mr. DJ. All right. Thanks, all Tim. Right, guys. Thanks.